Good news, you're here just in time. Here's another Laneway Talks. Hi, Helen, it's Vincent calling from Laneway Talks. For people that don't know, was the bass player with Do Re Mi. A lot of people might know Deb Conway, who was the singer in Do Re Mi, but Helen was the bass player. And Do Re Mi are distributed through Laneway Music, and we're just going to talk a little bit about the life and times of Helen Carter. So how are you, Helen? I'm terrific. Thank you, Vincent. Now, uh, I'd like to just start off when we do this every time with each artist is, where did you grow up? Where did you come from? I came from um, when I was a real little one, uh, living in, in country New South Wales. And then uh, when I was about five or six, moved to Sydney and lived in Bondi, which at that time was um, quite a, a, a different place that it is now. It was a um, very low socioeconomic area. I went to Bondi Beach Public School um, and, yeah, I had a, a beachy type of existence down there um, up until I left home at 16. Well, tell me, um, how, did you, how did you get into music? When did you know that music was a calling for you? <laughs> uh, probably when I... Uh, I started. I started going out with Roger Pearson. Um, who oh, we all, we all know Roger, home. yeah. We all know Roger. Roger, and and so I was about seventeen at the time. Yeah. And Roger was uh, just starting out in his his kind of music career with the Thought Criminals, and I was you know hanging around with those people. Yeah. Um, I lived in the squats in Darlinghurst. Uh, for um, a number, probably, I don't know, six months maybe. Yeah. And uh, so it was a very arty and musical existence there in, um, in, in Darlinghurst at that time. So I really got a taste of uh, the DIY um, uh, playing music uh, and, and just being involved in that scene and going to the Grand Hotel and the Civic. And Were you all already a musician by that stage? Had you picked up a bass no. or a guitar? No, I had not. It was one of those things where I was at a party. Someone said, oh, um, I'm going to play the guitar now. Here, you play the bass. And that was it. What, you're, I, jo- you're joshing me. So you pick up the bass and yep. <laughs> you start str- yep. strumming away. I start playing. Play your way. <laughs> I mean, so you, it's you, true. So you must have had some um, natural instinct for what I call the having a beat in you. I mean, you can't be a musician yeah. if you do not have a beat in you. Um, no. You know, you can. I can try and teach anybody well, I'm a drummer and whatever, but if you haven't yeah. got the beat, it's not going to happen. Now, the same there. So you obviously had that creative ability within yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I didn't do music at school or anything like that, but um, I, I certainly loved music and attended um, concerts and bought albums um, from from you know, 12 years of age, I think I had some friends um, of my parents who might have given me a few um, singles at the time. Well, and what, I just well thought, what were you, you know, buying, Helen? Now, let's just go back a bit and go, let's okay. try and see what music genre All you right. liked. Yeah, don't embarrass yourself, well, okay? Um, okay, well, I think the first single I actually purchased with my own money was a Deep Purple Oh, single. Tell me it wasn't smoke on the water, please. No, I think it was Highway Star. Oh, thank Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's... Um... You said you weren't going to embarrass me. No. Now I'm going to embarrass it. <laughs> no, well, that's... Uh, yeah, well, I mean, that you know, and 
deep purple uh, highway star, it doesn't fit with do re mi, um, and that's and that's quite a good kind of difference in mm. in fact. Mm. Well, I was I was very much into um, rock and roll, so I, I my, my other love uh, uh, as a teenager was Slade, and then um, of course ACDC. And then I started to get more interested in the guitar-based uh, alternative pre-punk, I guess, uh, music of uh, mostly the the, um, the British and European um, bands. Yeah. But yeah, no, I started off being pretty much just pretty rocky. So yeah, so essentially, then, for you were very music-orientated mentally. It's like. Obviously, I mean, I my whole life has been music, uh, whether it been the yes, business side yes. or music. And but yes. what I did as at a young age was it, you went to a record store and you explored music, and that's all you lived for. Yes. I lived for that. Yeah, and I was so lucky that um, I had people around me that did that. And so I, I wasn't necessarily exploring it myself in that way, mm. um, but I was around people and I was around people who played music, mm. um, not, in, not in any professional manner, but it was more of, a, of that alternative scene where people would just you know, pick up a guitar or a bass and just yeah. have a go and then... You know, basically, you brought your 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 audience with you because they're all, all your friends, and and the big thing was going out and seeing bands. But at the same time, you know, um, when John Foy had Red Eye and and a whole and Phantom and all of those sorts of things in Sydney, yeah. we had people who were out there exploring and introducing us to um, these new new sounds. Tell me, what was your first band? I mean. Was there a first band or was it just direct? Yeah. No, no. The first band was called Friction. Um, and we uh, were left. We, um, who was in it? It was me, Ruby Davies, who is now a, um, a very well known photographer. Absolutely. Um, and Yeah. And um, uh, Bruce Warner, who was a singer in the Thought Criminals, his sister Fiona, who was. Yeah. Sadly, um, uh, not with us anymore. She was a singer, and we had, um, for at least a part of the time in the beginning, um, Dan Rimmer from Cruel Sea and others uh, oh, yeah. as our guitarist. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So Fantastic. Re- yeah, and so John Bacchus from. Um, oh, name of his. Well, tell me too, what genre yeah. of music were you playing? It was. It was like the raincoats or um, okay, got it. Yeah, the slits, that sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah. So we have actually released a single through John Dacasitas' label, Blank Records. That's what it is. Uh huh. Um, and that is just basically three songs that we recorded on a cassette player at Day Street um, Studios in Sydney. Um, also, a very famous re- rehearsal and recording place. Um, and in fact, John Foy was running his. Um, uh, screen printing business out there as well for a while. Um, so what happened and, from uh, there, from the friction? From there, look, I mean, it was kind of, I, yeah, going to gigs, I went to Brownies in Paddington. Yeah. And I was just literally, I can't remember who we were seeing, but, you know, obviously someone at the time. Yeah. And I was literally standing there and I overheard somebody 
person's behind me have a conversation without looking for a bass player. So I just turned around and said, I'm a bass player. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's fantastic. I, had, I, I was just a young person. I, sort of, I guess yeah. I had confidence. Yeah. A bit of confidence. But that person turned out to be Dorman Bray, who oh, is yes. the drummer yes. in, in Dorame. Yeah. And so he went back to Melbourne and then about – a year later, he and Deb moved to Sydney and we formed, the three of us formed uh, Doremi. And then Stephen was kind of, uh, I, I don't know, he was he just exited the 30s and hadn't really wanted to kind of get involved with anything permanently. But, um, you know, as it turned out, he got sucked in as well and we were all, all in it together as Doremi from there. So that was that 81, 82. Oh, right. Okay. Very... Uh... Very prolific couple of years there, especially in Sydney, um, yeah. uh, with that alternative, that alternative scene. The Celebrate Rifles were happening, you know. Um, the list just goes on. Spy versus yeah, Spy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So look, ter- it was metals. It yeah. was hunters. It was spies. Yeah. There were um, so many bands um, that that came out at that time because there was a lot of places to play and that's where you went and and learned your skills. Oh, there's no doubt. So tell me, uh, Doremi, start. So you start rehearsing, getting ready, you start your gigs. So what's yep. the reaction like? Get your first gig, nobody there, or did you do a support? <laughs> well, look, we had um, contact in the alternative arts uh, scene in, in, um, in Darlinghurst. Yeah. So... We we only knew four songs, and we were asked by the Art Unit Collective out at Alexandria to come and be part of a a multi um, uh, a multidisciplinary uh, event that they were holding. So it was uh, in a in a, one of those warehouses. Art Unit was in a warehouse out mm. of Alexandria, mm. and so it was it was lighting, it was film, it was performance, and then there was. Four little people from um, Dore and me performing their four songs, and the people that were there loved it so much we had to play them twice. So, <laughs> <laughs> it was encouraging. <laughs> oh my god! So um, from from there, uh, any kind of interest to from record companies, or do you just start gigging? For the next year, no, we just started. We just started gigging and building up our repertoire, and mm. um, and we were fairly, you know, I, I, I guess it was what it was that we were fairly strident in our approach and didn't want to compromise on our idealistic beliefs at that time. And some of those beliefs I still hold, but a lot of them I think, oh, I cringe, you know. But we. <laughs> We um we didn't want to compromise. Didn't want to become part of the the uh, I, I guess the mainstream. Well, um, yes, you were the countdown club. Time. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, but we we eventually were approached. Probably after we released two EPs on our own and yeah. financed them ourselves. And then after that, uh, Dirty Pool, who managed the Angels and Cold Chisel, um, and and others uh, approached us, um, and we like we were definitely not like Cold Chisel or the Angels. So I I guess we were something different to add to their stable of artists. Yeah, and this is um, this is for all all the listeners. This is management, correct? Yeah, management. Yeah, yeah. and and tell me. 
something I, I this is my personal opinion on Doremi is that. Uh, and I can still, I, I'll sound quite sexist here towards the male side, uh, is that I knew it as a female band. The guys in the band were essentially there, but it was you and Deb Conway. And um, I, I think from perspective of the persona of you two that seemed to always be out there pushing, you know, yeah. visually. And yeah. essentially, which which is fantastic because I keep saying here in the offices all the time, we don't have enough female artists. And it is we still quite, don't. And it's quite difficult to, to find. And so yeah. it was really striking for me. Um, I would never have even noticed the guys in the band, I'll tell you honestly. It was about you Yeah, two. and look, for, I think for the time, Vincent, it was um, – it was it was unusual, and, and sadly, you know, we always used to get those women in rock kind of um, questions when we were interviewed. And mm. I mean, Stephen was very shy, and so he was quite happy not to be yeah. um, not to be out front. Yeah. Uh, and um, you know, Dawn was a very much a, a strong influence behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would like to think that we've made leaps and bounds in terms of profile and um, respect and status of women in the music industry. But sadly, when you look at the lineup of these festivals, giant festivals that mm. are happening, mm. um, you know, there are some exceptions, but most of the time it's pretty much a sausage fest. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, tell me, um, so let's uh, – Dore Me, you've got management, so, and that's a, yeah. a very powerful management company that you had at the time. It's, yes. Um, you, yes. And very, the mafia. Yeah, exact, exactly. <laughs> and very well known compared to today's management companies. Today's they're very backseat, but back then they were yeah. very forward. And so they've obviously gone out and got you a record deal, correct? Uh, yes, we, we, we had um, – uh, I think I think we we did actually. I've got a uh, I'm sort of archivist of of the group, so I've got a lot of material that I've kept mm. that I can reflect back on. Um, so we got a rejection from CBS, I think, but I think we sent them um, uh, our independently funded EPs, and yes. then you know, I mean, we didn't know what we were doing, but but then yeah, so Dirty Pool, um, Keith Welsh was was our oh, yes. key person. Yes. Yep. Um, and they got uh, um, some interest from Virgin, and then Virgin Australia was actually being established at that time. So it was Top Bear, Samuel and Trash, that was, Laurie, was that with Laurie Dunn? Um, Moira Bennett. Moira Bennett, and then Laurie came in. Yeah, after. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, so we were part of that. That I think they had four, but I can't remember the other one. So, mm. Samuel and Trash, Drop Bears, Doremi, and yeah, whoever. But uh, so we were their first four in their um, in their stable yep. of artists, and and we just started negotiating um, and working on how we were going to uh, the next steps after releasing two independent EPs. Tell me something, and, um, uh, tell yeah. me something, Helen. Is and it's interesting you say that we started negotiation uh, about um, obviously a deal, but put the deal aside because they happen no matter what. It's black and white. You yeah. take it or you don't. Yeah. And then negotiating how we wanted to move forward and what we want to do. And I put that up yeah. against a young bands today, and that doesn't happen. Um, it, it doesn't happen to the extent it happened back then. 
uh, you had a lot more, I think, control in which way you're going. Now, bands on their own, it's different, but if they're signing yeah. to majors nowadays, it is, it is basically, here you go, let's go, and if they don't like you, you're gone in two seconds. Um, yeah. I think you were very lucky yeah, no, it's, in experiencing it's that. development that. stage that might be missing, Vincent, that remember mm. in the old days we had development? <laughs> well, you, you went in and did demos too and you tested those yeah, demos yeah. and, and yeah. whatever. But let's go to the first album and it's a sensational mm-hmm. album and you've had success straight away, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and against the odds, really, against against all. all, all oh, it was um, your lucky day, Helen. Educated uh, opinion. Yeah, you know. yeah that's right. Because <laughs> we we went to London and recorded with Gavin McKillop, um, and uh, you know when when Man Overboard was chosen as the single, yeah, um, we were requested by. Virgin to change the lyrics um, because at that stage, I mean, you wouldn't you would not believe it given the kind of language that we're allowed to let, to hear now on, on on public broadcasting, right? Yeah. But pubic hair and penis envy were considered to be absolutely dreadful, and I had to go. Well, I say, well, we, I say managed- to you, Helen, the yeah. drug, sex, and rock and roll that was going on, and the audacity <laughs> to say that you couldn't mention those kind of words. I mean, seriously, mm. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, I know. it begs belief, doesn't it? Mm. Mm. Anyway, yes, you were obviously told yeah. to calm down and yeah, <laughs> change yeah, those yeah. lyrics. That's right, and we didn't. So we we got into a bit of a, a, a Barney, but um, eventually everyone came to the party, and that was fine. And you know, the, we were reviewed by you know um, preeminent journalists yeah, like any, Martin anybody and Toby yeah, anybody, Creswell. Everybody, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, we really got lots of good. How did you deal? Press. How did you deal with? If I look at the graph, so you're just meandering along, and bang, the graph goes mm. right up. How did you deal yep. with? How did you deal with it? You know, when you're young, you're kind of just on riding the wave, really. I mean, if I know what I, if I knew what I know now, etc., then I might have done things differently. Um, and we'll probably talk about when the band broke up, but <laughs> I, uh, we just. Um, because we had a management company, yeah. we basically we, we all we had to do was turn up, be ourselves. Yeah, didn't have to do all the business stuff behind it, which I, you know, I dread to think what people young, you know, coming into the industry now have to do. It's it's really hard. Oh, it is. Um, There's a lot there, and 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 so we spent most of our energy just being us and writing songs. But we, we, as you become, I mean, I, I think you alluded to sort of sudden fame syndrome. Yeah, where absolutely. You become, you become kind of self-aware. Yeah, we, we were self-aware. no exception. Yeah, you know, yeah, self-aware. Yeah, did, and we, you know, did you change a bit, Helen? I mean, I, I can tell you, there's so many I know in the industry, and and as the number one arrives. They're a different person. Yeah. They are a different yeah. person, and years on, they reflect back and tell me that, yeah. um, you know, yeah, it was pretty ugly, and yeah. it we was, were asshole. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, um, no, we, we look, we 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 were we did we did start to get a bit full of ourselves, but I don't. I, I put anybody in that position, and I think the same would happen. So yeah. I, yeah. 
And the amount of to see the amount of TV shows you were doing too back then compared to what happens now, and it's you yeah. get, get ferried. I mean, I, I, I'll give you an example. Um, we were making. Um, I, I, I was a financial controller production for Network Ten, so um, uh-huh. I was. We were doing a music show, so we had in excess and. Kylie, I think, was on the same show. Yeah. Um, and so we have uh, Michael Hutchins. He arrives in the helicopter on the front lawn. Uh, we've yeah, got they were classic for that kind of stuff. Chris, Chris Murphy <laughs> arrives in the limousine on his own, of course. Right. The rest yeah. of the band come in the Tarago. Now, I don't, I, yes, I don't yes. want to say any more than that, and this is what was no. going on. It was just like, man, yeah. and you were treated like kings, and you were it just yeah. – and, and it doesn't happen today. It is definitely not happening. Yes, it may if you're in America and you're a top 10 yeah. act, top 20 act, yeah. uh, but not here. So, yeah, you, you, you're moving along really quickly. So we get that mm. first album, you tour the hell out of it, yeah? Yeah, and we supported like – Oh gosh, a dozen international acts yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know Paul Young, um, Culture Club, Simple Minds, and it was just. So I'm, I'm not a fan, uh, Helen. I'm not a fan of that uh, that theory of right. We've got the record yeah. out. Of course, it, you throw it all out the window today. That system doesn't work. But you deliver the no. record. You drop the first two singles, which are upbeat, and we do a third, which is usually a, um, yeah, a ballad. It's a ballad. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, then we go out and we tour for twelve months, and we'll tour this record. Yeah. I don't believe in any of that. I believe in that. Yes, you tour it, but you've got to be stopping and writing all the time. They used to laugh at me over at Mushroom. When I used to say that, because yeah. everybody it was, was really looking, hard work. Yes, yeah, and you're looking for the it quick buck, it. the quick buck. And how yeah. do you go in? Yeah. Um, you know, you need. You, you should be. Uh, we're we're touring, and we're going to have a month break now, and then we're back out, and we're going to do a shitload yeah. of shows, and yeah. we're going to have another break for two or three weeks, and we're going to write and have a bit of brain, mm. uh, you know, brain downtime. Yeah. But they yeah. never did it. It was always the quick buck, two or three. Years. No, and that was the. That was kind of like, that was the Deadpool model as well, let's not forget. I mean, Cold Chisel and the Angels were on the road 24-7. Absolutely. You know, so I guess we it just it was assumed that we would do the same thing. But it was very tiring and it did cause fighting. It didn't give us any chance to reflect. Not that we would have even known what reflect meant back then, but, yeah. <laughs> but to think about, well, you know, how can we make this, in, how can we help this our... Um, music improve and also keep us together. Yeah. But it just, it was, yeah. Not, well, how, not well, a, how did you get to the second record? Um, oh, God. We did some demos um, in Amsterdam in 1986 and worked with a couple of producers that just didn't work out. Um, and then we came back feeling quite dejected. Yeah. Um, and then we um, were connected up with uh, Martin Rushant, who is a, unfortunately not with us anymore, but Martin uh, was Buzzcocks, Stranglers, Human oh, yeah. League, yep. okay. um, and like massively, um, like every hit from the early 80s would have his finger, fingerprints all over it. So, And so we went back to England and worked with him on the second album. And I think... Uh, it, for some reason, it didn't get received as, as well as the first album, mm. but I, I think it, ha- it is a really good body of work, and um, it's yeah. Uh, well, what we now we've got yeah. domestic harmony is the first yeah. record, yeah. 
yep. second record, the happiest place in town. That's is that the second or the third? Yeah, no, second. second yeah, right. Now the yep. third album was recorded, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, and, and not least. And to this day, everybody, this is the <laughs> hypocrisy of the industry has not been released because EMI or Virgin holding it? Virgin, yeah. And they so, won't give us the masters back. No, because, you know, they own it and they'll dictate to yes. you and one day they yep. may release it. It's just blasphemy yep. and uh, yep. this goes on all the time. We've had it quite a few times. and so then, Well, that's what happens when you sign, an, uh, sign a contract in perpetuity for the universe, which is just... Mm-hmm. So stupid, but that's what we all did back then. Well, you know, it, you know, Helen, it came down to how good your lawyer was, and um, many an artist at Mushroom would never sign for perpetuity and would hang out. And then I suppose you're playing Mm. a game. How desperate do they Mm -hmm. want me? And will they take me? You know, and you know the deals are either three or five year deals. Um, Mm. But and you had to be very careful, everybody. the stories I could tell is you you don't want to become a, become unrecouped, so it's very easy for you to no, accept right. as a, a band in your in your in your status yep. there to go. Yeah, we're going to Amsterdam, we're going to London, we're going everywhere, mm. and these bills mm. just keep ramping up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which are, you know, yeah. I mean, it was it was exciting, but I, I and I hear what you're saying, but we were one of the lucky ones. We came out of it without debt. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I think there were a number oh, of our contemporaries, you yes. know, who came out of it with in a terrible situation. Yeah. Um, and everyone goes, oh, sh- oh shit, you must be rich by now. You've had a couple of hit singles, and it's like, no. We we were spending. Um, you know, obviously, I won't name the artist, but you know, we would regularly spend three hundred and fifty thousand dollars recording a record. I mean, yeah. unless you're going to have multiple number ones and have some form of success overseas, yep. you haven't got a chance of paying yep. that off you because then your no. videos will be 50% recoupable uh, and then mm-hmm. there'll be all the other things in there that you'll agree to because you go, well, we won't spend that unless you want to make it recoupable. Anyway, we'll put all mm-hmm. that aside because that's the ugly part, which kind of mm-hmm. doesn't exist these days because a good smart lawyer never allows a good musician to sign on that no, basis. No, but the opportunities, I reckon the opportunities are fewer now, to be honest, because everybody, like, like you know, we still, Stephen and I still write. Yes. But there's no way we're going to get out there and perform and there's not really, you know, um, but we, you know, it, it, it's so much cheaper to record and get your own system happening now at home. Mm. Um, that more people are doing it. So, I mean, there are pluses and minuses in both situations. Oh, absolutely. Um, Look, from our opinion, it... uh it's a young person's world in music and those young people, say the 18 to 25, 27, they're so social media savvy and uh, they know exactly where to hit it right and they viral so quickly, you know, it is so Mm. much more difficult for the mature artist, the heritage artist. So, um, you know, I'll give you the other side. And, um, it, you know, I'm I'm surprised Do-Re-Mi aren't, bigger than what they are on the streaming sites. I mean, if, for everybody, if I have a look on here, Man Overboard's got one point, nearly 1.4 million um, streams. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. you know, there's a sizable one there. But um, we have other artists uh, around the same era who, you know, are getting, you know, two, 300,000 streams a month. 
and it mm. de- depends where you connect and 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 is there any social media going on and yada yada yada. Yep. But yeah. put that aside. So tell me what what starts to happen. You come back from the UK, you've got the second record. Uh, you're going to do you go uh, you know you go back to record the third record, correct? Yes. Yep. Yep. I'll, I'll be uh, ton and cheek. We're spending money like you've never seen before. Like it's <laughs> mate, the checks are being written out. Oh, so I know. You, so I you're know. back in London, but we were we, because we had management. We didn't concern ourselves with it, and obviously that was a rookie error. But don't don't, don't uh, even talk don't to me know. about it, Helen. I've got. I don't even. I don't think that anybody. I don't think we we weren't concerned because no one else was concerned. No, and because um, especially management like that think big time yeah. and they yeah. only think worldwide, which never really only happens yeah. to the absolute one in a trillion out of Australia. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, yeah. That's what they're thinking. So the money doesn't concern them. It doesn't matter that yeah. you're going to come out of it breaking even. It's a, if you're lucky, no. otherwise you're unrecouped. And no, as long because they'll get their money no matter what happens to us. That twenty percent comes out first. Uh, yep. Anyway, yep. so you're back yep. there so recording. We, so we can, yep, and during that time, um, the the the, the oh, it's going to sound so funny. The very spinal tap, but musically, Stephen and I were 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 in in sort of one camp, I suppose, and Deb and Colin in another camp. Um, and uh, you know Deb, and you can see from her career now was was starting to move into a sort of a folk yeah. um, camp. And Stephen and I were still that kind of um, alternative uh, guitar pop, 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 camp. Rock, pop rock, yeah, call it. yeah, pop rock sort of stuff. So yeah. we were we were still sort of doing that kind of thing. Um, and so there were some tensions there. Mm. Uh, but unbeknown to us, Deb had, um, uh, uh, I, I, look, I don't know, Deb's releasing a bio, uh, memoir yeah. later this year, I believe. Yeah. Um, and so you, there'll probably be a lot of detail in there and uh, around what happened. But, but from, from our perspective, it was very much, we would just, you know, Keith called us and said, oh, um, Deb's going to talk to you, she's going to leave the band. And so... Um, I mean, we'd noticed that she wasn't particularly interested in the in the pre-production um, rehearsals yes, for, the, yeah. for the songs. Yeah. Um, but we just thought, oh well, you know, I'll, you know, don't know what's going on there. But um, it's a shame that we couldn't have talked about it because it, basically we threw the baby out with the bathwater. Look, and, but and she, the thing is, people move on, don't they? And they do what they want to oh, do, yeah, and yeah. and that's that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but she. Um, I think she was enticed by, you know, I know that people who shall remain um, uh, unnamed. Other, yeah, other management, the, you mean? Um, no, other other musicians. Yeah, gotcha, okay. Who she, she um, knew yes. were basically slagging us off, saying, oh, you don't want to, mm. you know, and these people are still around and they're very, very high-profile Australian acts. Um, that oh you don't want to be in a in a collective you don't want to be in a mm. um uh you know in a, in a dem- democratic band you want to yeah. get out there and you know you need to take control which 
You know my you answer know. to that word, democratic band. I want you to think, mm. everybody to think, you two and Powderfinger, who um, yes. are so successful. And hunters and collectors. Yeah. And Midnight Oil. Absolutely. Well, if you think of you two and Powderfinger, they all songs were shared by the whole band. It wasn't just yeah, one or two riders, right? And that kept them together and has kept all yeah. the infighting out. Exactly. So, you know... And so you, as, soon as, there, as soon as there was some sort of, oh, you can do better than that, yes, yes. Um, I guess, you know, Deb was, Deb was um, keen to kind of explore those well, options. What did, well, what, and, what did you do? I mean, did you cons- consider keeping Do-Re-Me together or go, no, without Deb, there is no Do-Re-Me? <laughs> well, probably... There were um, a, a number of responses to that because um, we we had thought perhaps we could continue because the main songwriters at that time were the three of us. All right. Deb was just uh, starting out in that kind of journey yes. for her. Yeah. Um, but uh, also what happened was that um, Dorlan decided that he would follow her and so Stephen and I hung around in London for you know six months and worked with a few people, but it, it did, you know wasn't what we wanted to do. So yeah. we came back, and then that's where yeah that that was the end of that basically. Did you did you join any other bands? Did you do anything else? I did. I auditioned for the Go Betweens, who subsequently split up about a week after the audition. So oh. I often wonder whether it was my oh. fault. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a great band too! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but yeah, and then um, hang on a sec. And then I, uh, Stephen and I had a couple of bands in the in the nineties, and we you know we gigged around a little bit, wrote some songs. Yeah. Um, didn't release anything commercially, but um, uh, released. You know, we've got we've got a catalogue. Um, and but then but yeah, then I started. Uh, have have we a, put any of that out at all, Helen? No. Well, we should be talking after no. this interview, shouldn't okay. we? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, no, that'd be great. For everybody listening, uh, there's there's depth of catalogue there for Helen Carter. <laughs> and Stephen Phillips. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Remember, um, I'm not being chauvinistic but, here uh, towards women. Because <laughs> I am not against, against men. I always kind of think, Helen Carter, Helen Carter, that's terrible. But there's a new world coming. That's okay. Women yep. are dominant. Well, I think it would be great that we learn from each other and just stop having wars, stop killing each other, stop raping each other. You know, mm. well, actually, that's, that's probably more one-sided, isn't it? But, yeah. Yeah. but just if we can move, move on to a... Yeah. Don't don't um, don't start don't start me. I've just I don't believe what's going yeah. on in the world today. I I'm so focused mm. on music, Helen. I mean, I'm good. Very good. privileged that all I've done is entertainment my whole life. Um, yeah. Nothing outside of it, and I'm so focused on music. I don't even know who's having number ones anymore because I'm focused on our artists, and we've got so many more exciting yeah. things happening. And I I hate reading the paper and reading all that just yeah. what's going it's on. It is depressing, mm. and music, mm. um, uh, I, th- I think, brightens my day up. I, that's why I get excited yeah. when you go, oh, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff we didn't put out commercially. I think, yeah. oh, my God, yeah, there's well, more I'll, music I'll, to listen I'll, to. I'm excited. I will share it to, uh, with yeah. you, and um, and we'll, we can chat. Yeah. But, yeah, so... Um, so, therefore, that's yeah, what you did there. So, did, yeah. and what happened? Did you just say, right, that's it, um, I have to live, I need to make money, and I'm going to go get a Pretty day much. job? 
yeah, pretty, pretty much. And 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 uh, it was really a time where um, you know, unless you sounded like Nirvana, you weren't really going to get a gig. It was, it's, and I don't know if it's any different to, to these days, but I couldn't do it on my own anymore. Yeah, I, it was, I was doing everything. Yeah, basically managing managing everything and writing and going to work. I worked for Greenpeace for eight years, and yeah. so it just all became. Um, it, it, it sort of just fizzled out. Well, well, for the but, listeners, uh, the good side was that Doremi uh, came back together for a reunion tour pre-pandemic, and um, wow, what a show! Uh, just what a bunch of shows, and the show I saw at the you, corner. You loved hotel. it, didn't you? Absolutely <laughs> fantastic! I think you guys were looking fantastic. It was, it was it was an all girl band. It was, wasn't it? Even on drums, yes. And, yes. and that is just so unique. I mean, it's just unheard yeah. of. And that was fantastic in it too. No offence to the guys. I'm just saying it was no. just great to see uh, a bunch of chicks up there. And, well, man, and it sounded fantastic. Players. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. who? just for everybody listening, who, who was the guitarist? There was the keyboard player and the drummer. Who were they? Yep. yep. Um, so me and Deb, obviously, yeah. and uh, the guitarist Bridie O'Brien, who yes, you know, okay. you just don't know of these people yeah. because they're not. Yeah. It's so hard to you know to to yeah. I do make, know the name. You know, make a go yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so she she's um, she's now moved on to being a um, a visual artist. Yeah. So she's just like a creative being, all in itself. Yes. But she's just the most extraordinary guitarist. Oh, absolutely. Um, on, on drums, Julie Day, who who was um, uh, who I Stephen and I started working with her post Doremi, and so we had like a thirty thirty five year relationship and and done various things together. And again, an, a remarkable musician. Yeah. Um, and Cleo Renner work is very well known. She's um, she is a, a very well-known session musician and, and, and artist in her own right and has worked with Deb and also does the um, New Eve at the Opera House things and has done, I think, rock whiz and things like that yeah. too. So, was the sh- um, were, the that shows, was were the shows visually recorded at any of the shows or not? Uh, not professionally, but we do have some visual... Yeah. Yep. Materials that look okay. Laneway should have got. We should have at least gotten one of the shows, and we should have done a, um, a full-on record. Uh, that it would. It, you girls were looking fantastic. I mean, fantastic. How <laughs> was it playing the bass again, too, on stage like that? Oh, look, I just felt um, totally elated to be doing it, and so proud of that body of work. Um. And plus, I was fifty nine yeah. when when we did it. Um, I'm, pr- and I'm proud so, of it, Helen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a, a, a bit like a, a, I just thought, wow, I can't believe I, I surprised myself because it's a very it's not like I just you know you just have to relearn the song. Yeah, that came relatively easily, but it's the stamina that you need to actually engage with audiences, and they were big audiences on that five C tour. Absolutely, um, uh, yeah. and 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 to make sure that you're up to scratch because Deb had 
you know, she's been in it for well, all that time. Seasoned, yeah. And she's a professional. Um, and so for someone like me um, to, to come back into that and, and you know, that, that whole thing wouldn't have happened without me because I, I pushed it and I wanted to do it and made it happen. And I got the musicians together and got them to agree to it and all that. But yeah. um, it, uh, it was it was fabulous. It uh, really was. I, I, for everybody, it was uh uh, absolutely fantastic night, and the band were just on fire. So, it, as you said, is, is it is it true, Vincent, um, at the Corner Hotel? I think you told me after that that it was the first gig that you, you'd actually stayed to the end for a long time. I absolutely, you can't get me to stay to any show for more than about. 15, I know this sounds crazy. Fifteen minutes—that doesn't matter whether it's an international show or a local show. Um, I can only probably do 15, 20 minutes. I've been to too many shows and played at too yeah. many shows. And um, yeah. I thought what was great, look, visually it was great to see four or five women up there because you, you just don't get that opportunity um, very often in the, in this business. And secondly, it sounded fantastic um, and I loved the Well, you know, we, we, had, um, we had Danny Olish who um, on, on front of house. Yeah. Who does Tina Marina and all these mega acts? I mean, we were just like blown it, away. Uh, to absolutely, have the sound was fantastic. And the Corner Hotel, quite frankly, for everybody, is not a no matter what anyone would say. Is not, I've played it many times. It's not an easy room to get right. No. Um, you no. do have to really have someone on the desk that knows what they're doing. And there's a lot that know what they're doing, but they don't get it right in there. It's yes. really a, it hard is a hard room. room. And um, yeah, it, is, it yeah. sounded. Just fantastic. I mean, I, oh, well, there was, I couldn't get away from the place after the show because there was people just hanging around and talking and telling me how good it was. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So I'd like to get going. Um, so yeah, it was. Yeah. Look, it was fantastic. And I, I, you know, and and Deb was just vocally great. And I saw her yeah. the other day on a. Um, um, look, it probably was a Facebook post, and she was with Ziggy, and they're on tour somewhere, and they're on obviously yeah. a B and B where they were staying, um, and yeah. they were just singing together on the porch. Oh God, it was great. Yeah, and you know, I know it's I know. just fantastic. Her and, her and Willie have done marvelous things. They really yeah. have. Yeah, um, and so uh, that probably brings us to the end in the sense that that's where you're up to today, and uh, I. Firstly, yes, I would love to hear the stuff after you did to see if okay. you'd like to release it. And secondly, uh, I know your better half is still writing and recording. And what yes. about yourself? Uh, well, I'm about four months away from retiring from the workforce. Yes. And I'm looking forward to having some space and energy to reconnect with that side because it, it is important to me. But... I, yeah, like it's really hard to kind of have a day job and and, and be. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, we Producing look, we look forward sort of to that stuff. because, um, Thank you. you know, I think uh, if you've done it for so long, it's in your blood. And um, yeah. if, if you can, you must, for everybody listening, it's very difficult over a long span of time to keep the, those creative juices so excited. Um, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, if you can get it back, it's untenable. It just just drives you crazy yeah. because you just want to 
be creative and throw this, this stuff out to people to listen to. Mm. Um, and so mm. we really look forward to that if we could uh, see some more from, you know, you've got many years left in you, uh, Helen. So, yeah, thank uh, you. Don't, uh, don't think that uh, it can just stop here. I think just keep going. And the yep. new, new world of record yourself on equipment at home. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, we have artists here that are recording all around the world. So there's someone will be, uh, I don't know, in France, someone will be in Sydney, someone will be in Melbourne. They keep shooting all their files around and and here we go. We've got finished product. Yeah. It's so attainable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. All right. Well, it's been great talking to you, uh, Helen. Uh, Helen Carter from Me, and it's been what a journey. Um, that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So we'd love to talk to you about your new material probably in the next six to 12 months, eh? Sounds like a plan. Thank you so much. Don't let us down. We're going to be uh, hounding you. All right? <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> See you, Helen. Bye. Bye, Vincent. Bye. Well, there you have it, another Laneway Talks. If you enjoyed that, just search Laneway Talks for more great conversations. G'day, folks. Mark Allen here and... The Ox, David Schwartz. Uh, and we've started a brand new podcast called... A Couple of Blokes, A Couple of Beers, and we're just chewing the fat. A Couple of Blokes, A Couple of Beers, with Ox and Marco. I'm thinking about whitening my teeth just so when I smile... There's a new episode every Wednesday. Have you got a weight issue? Of course I do. <laughs> it's a stupid loaded question. A Couple of Blokes, A Couple of Beers, with David Schwartz and Mark Allen. I'm eating the kids' Maltese. You're eating their of... Christmas present. I am a piece of garbage. <laughs> Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. <laughs>